This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome again to the Love of the Star podcast. Uh, hosted by myself, Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys Insider for 105 Through the Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of your Dallas Cowboys. And Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. Uh, now he is co host of the G Bag Nation on 105 Through the Fan in Dallas, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. Uh, Brian, how you doing out there? You uh, you excited for some, some more preseason football? You know what? I'm always excited for practices and these joint practices I think have been really uh, very interesting um, thanks again to all the guys and gals that are you know tweeting out uh, practice reps plays observations I, I, I'd give anything to be there being with them and I know you would as well yep. uh, but yeah it, it seems like that they're getting really really good work with the Chargers and this is probably what we're going to see from now on, Bobby, going forward. You know, Mike McCarthy never did this in Green Bay. Yeah. Never took the opportunity to go work against, you know, somebody, uh, you know, down the, you know, maybe as you're playing that preseason game, maybe you're going to go work against, you know, maybe somebody for a couple of days or so. But this is this is the new way of getting your veteran players work without exposing them to too, too much harm. You know, Dak Prescott's not going to get rocked in uh, this uh, – this type of a setting and your back's probably not going to get hit uh, too much, but you get really good work and, and uh, it allows you then on Saturday nights or Friday nights, whenever you're playing your game uh, to go ahead and then, and then figure out how to get guys that you're trying to really evaluate, get them that, uh, that work that they need. So they get these two practices in on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, We will have the game, Tomorrow, uh, I'll actually be on the uh, Dallas Cowboys Radio Network pregame show with you and Ari Temkin. 
Uh, mm-hmm. We'll be previewing this a little bit more in depth. Uh, but let's just take a look at some of the big notes coming out of these two practices. First off, I think the biggest thing that you wonder about when you come out of these practices is just health. Uh, so let's take a look at some of those things. First off, J-Ron Curse, uh, still not practicing, still not out there. He, I know you mentioned the other day about his back. We'll, we'll talk about J-Ron Curse actually next segment a little bit. Um, but J-Ron Curse not out there practicing right now. Jordan Lewis left practice. He had a hamstring injury. Uh, there was an, an, an MRI conducted on Thursday. The word from Mike McCarthy and, and everybody that you talk to around the team right now, it sounds like Jordan Lewis is done for training camp um, and that it's going to be their target will be week one against the Buccaneers, which is unfortunate. Lewis, I think, had had a pretty good camp so far. Um, and, I mean, he, he's not really in a starting competition, um, but has had a good camp, and uh, I, I think they definitely will want him back for week one there. Uh, you've got CeeDee Lamb, who it's – generous to call it a foot injury apparently he, he cut it somehow he cut his foot needed stitches uh will be back next week according to mike mccarthy uh, and we don't know how he cut his foot he he told clarence hill uh doing clown stuff apparently whatever that means that that's not always the best thing you want to hear from from your receiver i don't think um but a couple of good news or uh, noah brown the receiver he was out with a tight uh, with a toe injury on thursday uh, good news in terms of returning to practice we see Anthony Barr, who's not an injury. He was just a ramp-up, but Anthony Barr was out there practice finally on Wednesday. Uh, Will Greer returned to practice after the groin injury, and we got Tyron Smith back at practice uh, coming back from that ankle. Uh, had a little bit of some struggles uh, in, in this first practice against Khalil Mack. Uh, the, whole, the, whole offense seemed to, the whole offensive line seemed to struggle in pass protection in that first practice. Dak Prescott went perfect. Uh, eight for eight in the seven-on-seven period. As soon as you put the rushers in there and the offensive line needed to block, Dak goes eight of 15 and throws two interceptions, including one that yeah. bounces off Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, but, Brian, your, some of your takeaways from what you've seen, on uh, which which in this era we're, we're very lucky that NFL Network and some other people give us the types of looks that allow us to t- have some takeaways from practice. But uh, some of your thoughts uh, from these two days that the, often, or, or that the Cowboys were practicing against the Chargers. Kind of felt like the Dak on Thursday threw the ball a little bit better. The reports seemed to be that he was finding guys. Yeah, I think there was still some of the issues that you were talking about, Bobby, with some of the pass protection. Yeah, but some of the throws that Dak was making. Uh, one of the the they had a, a two minute drill with like six seconds left, and Dak was able to complete uh, complete a pass to win. They yeah, hail Mary to Dennis Houston. Yeah, they also completed what a fourth and ten with Dak that Schultz for a, a touchdown. So you know, it, it appears that the the tight ends, the receivers are doing a good job of getting open, even though that they're really, really down on skeleton receivers crew. as far as the quality. So it's a little bit of a skeleton group, but it's a group that needs practice. It's a group that needs the reps. It's the group that that's working with Dak right now, and that's I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. Again, without being out there. You know, and seeing the pass protection, you know, there's people saying, you know, I know that Calvin Watkins was talking about the team looked a little bullied. They had a trouble running the ball, and but I didn't hear that from anybody else. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting kind of like, well, maybe that's one man's view, but he is out there watching practice. So, uh, you know, we'll probably get a little bit further report as we get to the weekend. I know, uh, like I say, last week against the Broncos, the Thursday practice, you know, was not great, and they, and I felt like though, as a as a unit, they played better. Uh, offensive line, defensive line, 
uh, in that game against the Broncos. So let's see if that holds over when the, against the Chargers uh, this uh, this Saturday night. Yeah, and you you mentioned what Calvin had said there about uh, some of the the toughness and some of those other things. We we do have. It, like if you look over social media, you can see there is a, a moment where Austin Eckler and Terrell Basham kind of get into it a little bit. That's good. You like to see some of that edge, I think. Um, there was one of the Chargers players apparently took a, a punch in one video at Terrence Steele, and, and yeah. nobody really did anything about that. Uh, I, I know Mike McCarthy has been an advocate That's for McCarthy. That's, yeah, that is. I mean, you're going to say I know exactly what you're going to say, and I'll, I'll let you finish because yeah. I, I know what exactly you're going to say it with this. Hey, well, and then Mike McCarthy has talked about like I don't want you breaking hands, I don't want you yeah, doing exactly. something silly in the name mm-hmm. of fighting. But at what point does it become? You're you're allowing this team to be a pushover, and this is a team that had there was a lot of criticism against them about their toughness last year and and that they're starting to develop maybe this little sense of like hey people can literally punch you in the mouth and you're not going to do anything about it yeah and you know if if the head coach is coming out and talking about it in the staff meeting and everything else about not being uh not retaliating for things like that that's you know i have no problem with that i mean literally i would not you know terrence Steele, as much as i talk about him you know, if he would go out and break his hand hitting, you know, a defensive lineman in the head with his fist and all of a sudden now he can't play or he has to wear a club and it affects him even more during the, you know, during the games. Yeah. You know, I, I you know, the toughness aspect of it is the running, the blocking, the tackling, not afterwards, people pushing, people shoving, all those things. Uh, you know, if McCarthy, and, and, and we know he is, we know he's telling his team not to fight. Because he's fearful of somebody losing their cool and getting, you know, getting their hand broke, and that's not a lack of toughness. I think that's just trying to be smart with the situation. And if you want uh, some further good news, uh, didn't mention this earlier uh, when we were talking about injuries, and, and we'd be remiss if we didn't because it's just a small thing. It's it's part of the the recovery process. But Brian, some good news coming out of camp. Uh, we saw Calvin Watkins, David Helm, and a few other people tweet about it. Uh, Michael Gallup out there running some some soft dig routes and some slant routes, catching some passes from Dak Prescott. Yeah. That, that's go. continuing in that progression of, of good news yeah. that you want to see for, for him to return. Um, further good news, I think, from this practice and something that we I think we can take solace in from what we've seen against the Chargers, what we saw against the Broncos, and what we saw throughout training camp. This defensive line seems to genuinely give problems to opposing offensive lines. That, I think, is is really encouraging. And it's not just Micah Parsons getting around the edge or Demarcus Lawrence. It's these tackles are giving guys problems. Neville Gallimore, you know, Oso Digizua, uh, Tristan Hill has flashed at times. We've talked about that. Quentin Bohanna. Um, th- this defensive line seems to be real like like it doesn't seem yeah. like 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 this is a fluky group or, or that we're just getting training camp air blown into them this is a, a a really i think solid group along that front four it's not smoke and mirrors i mean no. that's the thing and quentin bohanna is actually getting work with the first first team defensive line at yeah. the one technique we had david hellman uh from uh, fox sports on uh on 105.3 the fan uh on Wednesday, and he was talking about the fact that uh, that Bohanna. Every time he looks up, Quentin Bohanna is getting first team work. You watch Quentin Bohanna in the game against the Chargers. Excuse me, the Broncos, and he is doing really good things. Numbers are you know numbers are square along the line of scrimmage. He's not getting turned. He's not getting pushed. He's not getting walled off. You know he's getting up the field. He's making tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Those are the kinds of things you saw him when he was playing for Kentucky. You saw him get up the field 
and be a hard guy to block, especially one-on-one when he's on the move. And he looks a lot – he looks you know lighter on his feet, and he's making those good plays with quickness. And, I, and I, again, I'm just singling him out, but there's some others that have done a really nice job of, of, of having good training camp practices here so far. Yeah, and we, we talked again about, uh, you know, that that's a, a good sign. We've seen consistently training camp, Broncos, Chargers. Okay, we're seeing that the defensive line is, is penetrating and making plays. That's exciting. On the flip side of that, we are now seeing on occasion, oh, there's some problems against the Chargers in pass protection in these practices. Well, they were yeah. having trouble protecting against the Broncos. We've seen yeah. them have trouble protecting for Dak against, uh, you, you know, in, in training camp team. here. Yeah. yeah, and so on the flip side of that, should we be as concerned about uh, the offensive line? And, and we've got a question in the Twitter mailbag later that we'll touch on on this, but should we be as concerned about the offensive line uh, as we are happy or, or comfortable with what we're seeing from the defensive line, I think as I as I as I look at this, I feel like the left guard's going to be fine. I yep. just feel like he's going to be fine. Uh, I know there was some one-on-one reps in that I saw of him during the practice. Looked good. Were three straight times he was powerful. He sat down on his guy. He didn't get moved. Uh, there was a time where a defender tried to take him wide to his left. He just kept the defender. He pushed, got the defender out of the way. I, I'm going to be blue in the face on that right tackle, though. That, yeah. that's, the, that's the one that scares me the most right now because I just don't think he's strong enough. I just don't. I think he's athletic enough. I just don't think he's strong enough. I think everybody on that line, you know, maybe Biotish, you know, is not the strongest center, but he's really a good athlete. I, I just kind of feel like the other three guys are really strong. The Smiths are strong. Martin is strong. Uh, you know, and Biotish has got some strength, but not overly strong. The right tackle is not strong. And so that very well could be a, a big, big issue as we go forward. When we look at a guy like Tyler Smith, and not to make this such a 10,000-foot view uh, discussion away from the particulars of this practice, but when we look at a guy like Tyler Smith and how good we feel about him and his progression, if Tyler Smith is able to hit the way we we're expecting that he does, after there were a lot of questions from a lot of people about, man, this this seems like a reach, it seems like you guys missed on this one, and that comes on the heels of a year when they drafted Micah Parsons, and a lot of people had had, had questions about that move. Um, if the Cowboys are able to hit on Micah Parsons and, and Tyler Smith, should that just be a case of, look, these last few drafts where we haven't had a Rod Marinelli or, or a Jason Garrett pounding the table for some guy and we've just let the scouts draft, I mean, is that a testament to these scouts here in Dallas? We, we can trust that this team's in good hands as they try to build up around Dak Prescott, knowing that, look, even when you have doubts about a Parsons or a Smith from the outside, this staff is going to get it right. Yeah, I think there's there's a... Uh... The one thing that I, that Mike McCarthy didn't have to do in Green Bay was personnel stuff. That was pretty much the scouting department, Ted Thompson, what they were able to do. I think Mike is uh, asked to help. I know Dan Quinn's asked to help. I think the scouts here trust their opinions, especially Dan Quinn's. So if they're hitting on these guys, I, I, I keep saying Tyler Smith. I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, I really, I just. I just there's too there's too much to his game that I think he's going to be fine. Now you know we'll see uh, you know with the others. I, I 
I, I think they've got some guys here, you know, the guys that drafted last year. We mentioned, you know, Quentin Bohanna. You know, let's see what, you know, with Bland and guys like that in this current class. They look like they've got some guys that legitimately play. The one, you know, we mentioned Tolbert. We've talked about him a little bit, you know, throughout our podcast that, you know, are we a little nervous by him and some of the things? I think he'll come around, but it's it's about getting past that nervousness that he has right now because he doesn't look like the same type of tough player and, you know, as far as what we saw there at South Alabama. But I trust what Will McClay and these scouts have done. I, I really, really – and I think the coaches should as well. One more quick question for you here before we move on. Uh, you referencing Bland there. We talked about earlier Jordan Lewis, hamstring issue. They're hoping he'll be ready for week one. If he is not – when you've got Diggs and Brown out there, who's your th- who do you feel like should be the third corner starting that day? Well, I feel like though, it, it, to me, if it if it has to be that that Lewis is out, yeah, right now it's Bland, I agree. and that's because I don't really write. I think practice as well. I didn't have a lot of confidence in what I saw the other day in that game. Bland, I think he sees the field. I think he's aggressive. I think he tackles well. I think Wright tackles well, but I really like what Bland does. I think you could keep Bland on the outside and kick Anthony Brown inside, and you'll be just fine at nickel. Or if you want to kick, if you want to go ahead and kick, uh, if you want to kick, uh, uh, you know, uh, Brownlee Brown outside and, and kick Bland inside, I don't know if you want to put that much pressure on him to have to deal with that out of the slot. But man, the guy looks comfortable. He looks ready. He looks you know, smart. Yeah, you know he sees the field. I, I was super impressed with him the other day. Yeah, to be honest with you, all you guys were telling me, man, this guy's a good football player. This guy's a good football player, and I just didn't see it initially in camp. And it, after that game, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get what these guys are talking about. Um, the Cowboys, you mentioned in there the the question about who might you know, like slide in Anthony Brown. And I do know that the Cowboys believe Bland can do that if they need to. Bland can play yeah. inside. Bland can play the boundary, and he can even do yeah. some safety stuff if they need. Uh, all right, uh, you're listening to the Love the Star podcast. The Love the Star, of course, is an Odyssey podcast. You can listen to it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, Brian, uh, transitioning over to something that I wanted us to touch on uh, today. I I was looking through things and just kind of going like, hey, we've kind of looked at this from just about every angle so far. This football team and, and what they need to do and where they currently stand. And so I wanted to just kind of do an overview about some guys where it's a question of... Should we be concerned with where they're at right now, either with their health, their play, whatever else, 
or is it potentially a little bit overblown? So I've got some names here I want to run through with you and determine if we, we should be feel a little uneasy about these guys or if we're unconcerned by them. Uh, I got okay. six names here for you. Un- unsurprisingly, okay. they're almost all on the offense. Took me a little bit of a struggle to find some defensive guys, but let's go through the defensive guys first. Uh, the first one I got for you here, Jaron Curse. Bugged by a back. I know you said he looked a little stiff when you saw him running around out in Denver uh, before the game. Are, are you unconcerned right now or a little uneasy about J. Ron Curse? I'd like to dig in a little further on that. You're absolutely right. The Denver game, when he was running pre-game, he was not moving great. He was running, but I wouldn't call it running. It was He was part of the drills and stuff as – as far as trying to, but he was last, clearly. Anything to do with a back, and especially the position that he plays, where he's taking on guys, he's getting off blocks, he's having to turn, he's having to run. You know, he, he plays a very high collision position. And so when you start to talk about the backs, man, I need to dig in a little bit further. I thought this was something that looked pretty simplistic and was going to be okay. But watching him move around, I was, uh, I'd was i have to say I'm at that concerned stage right now. All right, so a little uneasy about J. Ron Curse. Let's yeah, say if, if, if anything lingers a little bit into the regular season, would you think their response to that would be, hey, we're just rolling two safeties and we'll actually play with a more traditional linebacker? Those snaps where Curse comes into the box, those are going to be linebacker snaps? Yeah. Or do you think a guy like Marquise Bell could get some of those reps and they'd continue to play with three safeties? Love the way that Bell looks physically. Love the way that they're trying to incorporate him more. Would not be surprised one bit if it's Parsons, Van Der Esch, and, and uh, our new addition from the Vikings. Anthony Barr. Would, Anthony Barr. I would not be surprised at all. So um, that might be their way around it right now. I know they're big on, the, on, the, on having to play with the nickel and playing with the safety down. But if they don't have anybody that they totally feel comfortable with, Bell is a Bell's a you know a nice player. He's done well in training camp. You know how much do you really how confident are you right now that he could go in there and do what you need from Curse? Would that be more about what Wilson maybe would do or somebody like that? Um, I think they would play more of a traditional. I think they'd just play more traditional linebackers is what they would probably do because they probably feel like that they could use. They could use a bar and coverage if they had to, even though the other day, you know, the I guess yesterday, the the practice, uh, the, the first practice, I should yep. say, against the Chargers, uh, you know, he didn't look particularly well carrying uh, Eckler up the sidelines at all. But that's that's a tough cover for a guy that's not practiced very much this season. Well, yeah, and remember, Jabril Cox, that's what he excels at as well, is, is coverage. Now, he's still coming back from the knee. He's got the, the same cover that Tyron Smith has on his elbow is on uh, yeah. Jabril Cox's leg right now. So, But, yeah. but that's still, they, they could definitely uh, get some run out of their linebackers there. Uh, the next one, Kelvin Joseph, which I know we've talked about. His play's been a little concerning. His off the field's a little concerning. Now we're, we're starting to wonder a little bit, would they actually do something with his roster spot? And I know you and I have kind of kicked this around a little bit. Nick Eatman, who you know from working over there. That, that Nick's, man, not that, throw, Nick's, Nick's not a guy that throws stuff up against the wall and no. sticks. Nick is a very much of a, I bumped into somebody in the hallway and they whispered this to me. Yeah, and and so. today and in our, uh, on Thursday in their mailbag, 
They were asked about the the corner battle on the 53-man roster, and Nick's quote was, we'll see about Kelvin Joseph, but at this point, I don't think it's a lock, even though he's a second-round pick. So, Kelvin Joseph, uneasy or unconcerned? Uh, if I'm Kelvin Joseph, I should be I should be uneasy about my spot uh, because I, I like I like we just said, and I hate to repeat myself, but I do it way too much. Nick Nick is one of those guys that people walk up and talk to him, yeah. and he does a great job of protecting sources. And you know, Nick just doesn't throw stuff up against the wall. Like I said earlier, he he is going to uh, he is going to be pretty straightforward about things. Somebody told Nick Eatman, walking to the dining hall there in Oxnard, maybe bumped to him in the parking lot there on the way back to the tennis courts. Someone told him maybe he was at the football game. Maybe he was on the plane somewhere. Nick had got that from sight. I would believe in what Nick Eatman's saying right now. And if I'm Kelvin Joseph, I would be a little uneasy about uh, his roster spot uh, if I was him. Uh, now, does that where's it fall on Bland and, and Wright? You know, those guys, I think if we handicapped, I know if I handicapped it right now, it'd be Bland, Wright, and Joseph would be my guys. Next name for you here, uneasy or unconcerned, uh, Tyler Smith. Looked pretty good in the first game, but obviously, you know, had a couple of those penalties, still working on technique. Uh, are you a little uneasy at this point in time, rolling into the season with him as a starter, or are you fairly unconcerned? I'm unconcerned by him. I, I just feel like that, to me, you know you're gonna you're probably gonna have some growing pains with Tyler Smith. And sure. I always say this about offensive linemen: when they learn how to hold, trip, and clip, that's when they're their absolute best. And I just feel like that the holding penalties that he got the other night in the Denver game, and going back and watching them on tape, are things that are easily correctable. The ball cut behind him on the first one, and he clearly had his right hand, and he was trying to grab the breastplate of the defender, and then he just yanked. And the ball's behind him. And, you know, the officials are following the ball right there. And they see, you know, when he when it's in their line of sight, they're going to call that. Just simply let go of your hand. And then the other one, the guy was going to the ground. You know, no need to, you know, grab onto the guy as he's going to the ground. Just take your hands off and use your weight, fall on top of him and keep him that way. They're not going to call the pilling. I, I'm really – I'm not concerned about him. I, 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 I can't believe that they've – They've just continued to play with Connor McGovern at guard. I just yeah. it, it it boggles my mind. But you know what? I'm just it is what it is, and they're gonna they went that route. I think it's time just to go ahead and put him in there. And I think here before long, I think that he's gonna be named the starter and they're gonna go forward. Next name for you, and it's somebody who uh, I, I think there's been at least some uneasiness internally about since the end of last season, just because they were curious how things were gonna play out after what they saw at the end of the year. Tyron Smith, uneasy or unconcerned, Brian? Uneasy. You know, but but you could probably also say unconcerned because you know what's going to happen with Tyron Smith. He's going to miss somewhere between two and three games. You know, I hate to say that about anybody, but but history tells you that's what's going to happen. And it might not be his fault. It might not be, you know, uh, all of a sudden, I've said this before, you know, you know, Biotish ends up on the ground and he's like, he fall, he gets thrown into the back of Tyron Smith's legs into the ground and all of a sudden Tyron Smith's got his right foot planted and then a lineman pushes him and now it's high ankle sprain or knee sprain or, you know, I think he's got the thing with the shoulder taking care of the shoulder, the neck. The back is always going to be a concern because he could wake up in a bad hotel bed 
in uh, in in in, in Newark, New Jersey, right? And then all of a sudden, not be able to play. The back is always going to be a concern. But man, I think he has some absolute terrible luck with people falling around him and on the ground, and they end up in the back of his legs. I, I just think that's and it, you just you just expect it to happen. It's 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 sad, but it's true. And of course, I mean that the injury is one aspect of it. He played a really rough game at the end of last year against San Francisco. We've seen a couple instances at practice. You know, Dorrance Armstrong getting around him at times, and then Khalil Mack. I know it's just in little. We talked about that in the first segment that Khalil yeah. Mack had a couple highlight plays on him. And obviously, that's just little snippets. We don't get to see the full context of practice. But is there any concern with you at all in terms of the decline of his play outside of the injuries? I think the concern is that he can no longer just afford to miss time on the practice field yeah. and then go out there and play games. There was a time when Tyron Smith, 26 years old, maybe could miss time and be just fine and, and they would not miss a beat. 31-year-old Tyron Smith, and it's funny to say that for an offensive lineman because usually the older they are, the better they are. But with Tyron, I, I just think there's times where he is now shown a little bit more rust than maybe what he showed five years ago. This name here is, uh, I got two more left for you, and, and this one here, I was a little surprised I ended up putting him in here because I thought he started out so well at camp, and I was a big fan of his coming out of college. That's Jalen Tolbert. When the pads came on, Things have not been quite as good. And then he had that performance against the Broncos that was a little discouraging. You saw some things mm-hmm. where it seemed like, okay, is there is there some uneasiness about going across the middle? Um, you know, and, and we haven't, you know, seen him complete a bunch of tough catches out here at these practices. Occasionally it looks good, but other times it's just it's not totally consistent since the pads have come on. So Jalen Tolbert for you, not the long-term necessarily, but his short-term impact. Are you uneasy or unconcerned about him? I'm unconcerned. I really am. I, I think I think it's there. I think that the nerves played a big part in what happened to him the other night. He looked like a couple of different times where um, he and I, you know, it's like he he wilted, he melted, whatever yeah. you want to say. He it, it just his body when it when it came time to be strong and go get the football. It's like he lost all just strength, and it just just wilted right there, and 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 faded, or whatever you want to call it. Sure, I'm using a lot of different words to describe it, but it, you could tell it, he just didn't have the base, he didn't have the extension, he didn't have the the core strength to you know to to take on and go get uh, the ball and, and make it his. It's it's like he just kind of fainted out there a little bit, and I think that's a little bit to do with. Um, with nerves and playing that first NFL game. Now, if we get into the Chargers game and we start to see him, you know, fade a little bit in some of these routes, well, then then you could you can sound the alarms for the concerns. And last name here, uh, we all saw second half of last season. Dak Prescott didn't look totally the same, so there were some questions about that heading into this year. Uh, questions about his receivers that he's working with, the guys blocking in front of him. So I guess this is an overall question about the passing game and, and how it factors in, but Dak Prescott in particular, uh, uneasy or unconcerned about him at this point of training camp? I'd go unconcerned again. I I feel like this is going to be maybe his offensive coordinator lets him down. Maybe the offensive line lets him down. Maybe the receivers let him down. I think Dak Prescott's ready to play really good football. I think he is. 
I, I think physically he is. I think mentally he is. The things around him, is Dak good enough to lift the team? We'll see. It, it might take that, it, especially early if the receiving core is not as good as we think it might be. But I, I think Dak Prescott is ready to have a big year. I don't know if the others around him are. I don't know if the offensive line, the coordinator, maybe these receivers. I, you know, that's those are all. I have more questions about those three things than I do Dak Prescott. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Brian, as we do every show, we are now going to finish things up uh, by turning it over to our listeners for our Twitter mailbag questions. Got Quite a few from you guys today. Uh, the first one for you, Brian, here, and we'll talk about this. This is from Astute Fanatic. He says, what would it take for an in-season firing of Mike McCarthy, especially with a prime interim candidate in Dan Quinn already there? I, You know, I, I look at the situation with uh, Mike McCarthy. You know, to me, it's – as a team – is the team not played well for him? Has the, have they, you know – the wins and losses, if the team's not playing well, the wins and losses will be there. It'll be, you know, it, it could be a two and five or one and six, whatever you want to say. I mean, if it's something like that, then, you know, Jerry Jones doesn't really want to fire anybody in season. He did it to Wade Phillips because the team was going nowhere. The team was, they, they completely gave up. If Jerry Jones determines that the team has given up on Mike McCarthy and Mike McCarthy's done nothing to go and maybe help whatever side of the ball might be in trouble. Say the say for example, it is the offense. Say the offense is in trouble. They 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 you know Mike McCarthy goes over there. He he's trying to help Kellen Moore, but it's just not working. Yep. Then that's the point in time where all of a sudden I feel like that maybe Dan Quinn would get the opportunity, and then would Kellen Moore stay? Well, you know who knows? Or Doug Nussmeyer, somebody will call plays. But it, I think it has to be one of those things where Jerry Jones determines that the team is. Clearly, 
uh, as quit on Mike McCarthy and they're not listening to anything he's saying anymore. Yeah, I think when you look over the recent history, there was some chatter about uh, firing Mike Nolan around the bye week. Remember, they swapped out Paul Alexander in the bye week. Um, When Wade Phillips was fired, it was the first part of November. So I think if you want to start looking at when, if they were going to make that decision, when would it happen? Well, their bye week falls in week nine. So if they go yeah. into that bye week and then they're about to head to Green Bay for the the Mike McCarthy showdown, if they're heading into the bye week and they're looking at two and six or something like that, I think that's where it would – I think it's very unlikely Mike McCarthy is fired in the middle of the season. But if it happens, yeah. I think it's two and I, six yeah. or maybe they get embarrassed in Green Bay after a bad start. That would probably what would do it, I think. Yeah, the, the, like I said, the reason that, that Wade Phillips got fired was because the team quit on him that Sunday night in Green Bay. Yeah. That's why he got fired. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Brett Logan. With the lack of experience at wide receiver heading into the season, do you feel that a run-first mentality featuring Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard will be used at least until Michael Gallup is back or with the injury scare to CeeDee Lamb this week? Will that propel a potential veteran signing at wide receiver to hedge Dallas's bets, which we talked about in the first segment, just a, a cut foot for CeeDee Lamb. Doesn't sound like anything sure. sincere. We've obviously got the toe injury with Noah Brown that we mentioned earlier that caused him to miss practice on Thursday. But overall, I think regardless of, of what they do at receiver leading up to the season, this is a football team that's talking a whole hell of a lot about running the ball. I think that might just be something that they're recommitting to this season already. It's funny. Is the only the youngest player, though, that they're going to have to deal with the receiver, if I'm right about this, is Tolbert. Everybody else, pretty much a veteran. Is that what we're? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Young, younger in terms of being he's, a rookie. He said, yeah, he said young receivers. So the question was asked: young receivers or the lack of experience? I think he means you know yeah, you're you're, you're going to play with Noah Brown. You'll, you'll, playing you'll, stuff. Yeah, you'll okay. play with Fajoko, Dennis Houston, potentially Tolbert. Sure. So yeah, that, some that. of them. There you go. I mean, that, again, it, the, your only rookie player is Tolbert. Uh, Fajoko doesn't have a lot of experience, and Noah Brown has been here a long time. He just hasn't had a lot of reps at it. So. Sure. I, I can see, you know, I, I understand that part of the question there. The thing about it is, though, I, I kind of feel like, though, that they were going to be run first anyway. Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe I shouldn't say run first anyway. Greater I, emphasis. I, I, yeah, it's it's going to be more like, listen, we're not going to be we're not going to be seventy thirty pass run, or you know, we're not going to be. I think it's more it, it, it's it's balance. That's what that's what helps that the balance. It's the ability to not have to put him in a lot of situations where it's, you know, second and long, third and long. And if if they – and they always hear this statement, stay ahead of the chains. That's something that they were able to do the first eight weeks of the, of the season last year. They stayed ahead of the chains, and they were able to – you know, even when they had, uh, you know, third down runs, they were short, manageable runs or, you know, down in distance. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling that that it's, it's going to be more of a – more of a uh, you know trying to be 50 50 but maybe we'll get a 60 40 run pass you know much more so than maybe an 80 20 or 90 10 next question here from uh, Ryan he asks which rookie drafted this year aside from Tyler Smith could you see having the biggest impact on the season Sam Williams will get a lot of opportunities to rush the passer Jalen Tolbert in terms of opportunities probably is going to I mean he'll be a starter for this team so the opportunities will be there Jake Ferguson's looked solid any injury to a cornerback right now in the starting group may wind yeah. up in Deron Bland getting some reps. So a lot right. of different options there. Who stands out to you, Brian, you think is having the biggest potential impact outside of Tyler Smith? I want to believe it's going to be it's going to be Ferguson 
is the one because I kind of feel like he's going to be the second tight end. And so how much, if they go where it's a 60-40 pass run, how much 12 personnel stuff are they going to get into? And then will it be opportunities as a blocker and then as opportunities of you know receiving? You, you might see him in some, you know, just to replace uh, Dalton Schultz and some 11 personnel stuff too. So I could see him having a pretty big impact. I want to believe that that Bland could have it, you know, depending on how yeah. much, you know, how much dime stuff are they going to play? You know, all of a sudden they get some teams that, you know, they're going to spread you out and stuff like that. You know, Sam Williams, we mentioned him as a rusher. I still feel like that Sam Williams has a way to ways to go. Yes. I really do. I Watching him rush the pass through the night in Denver, I kind of felt like you see flashes. To, yeah, he knows yeah. how to get off the ball. Does he know how to finish? Right. That's the thing that he's having to work on right now. And there's going to be some frustration by that. You know, you can't just, you know, you're not playing against Vanderbilt or you're not playing against, uh, you know, uh, you know Mississippi State. You, if you're going to rush the pass, you've got to get the corner and you've got to turn that corner and get down there. And that's something he was able to do at State, or excuse me, at Ole Miss. But, you know, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And I didn't see it in the Denver game. So I wonder how much real production that he's going to have. I think they're going to give him a lot of opportunities. But if you had to ask me, other than uh, Tyler Smith, Ferguson and Bland would be two guys I would look at. Yeah, and I think that in regards to the Sam Williams thing, you and I have talked a lot about how the learning curve for quarterbacks and receivers has become so much smaller than it was even 10 years ago, but definitely 20, 30 years ago. Right. Defensive end, pass rusher, that's one of those areas that it's still there's learning curve there. Yeah, a lot of these guys, I, I talk to defensive line coaches and trainers and scouts and things like that, and one of the things they'll consistently tell you about guys who are coming out of college is these guys generally don't know how to use their hands. They don't know how to use their hands. They're still kind of you know figuring out their hips and their footwork and everything else to get you know through gaps and, and their pad level and everything else. So they're, they're still learning a lot at that time. That's not the kind of coaching they tend to get at college. Uh, next question here from Shoes and Sports. Somebody who likes some kicks and some sports, I guess. Uh, do you see Dennis Houston and or Kevontae Turpin as a lock for the 53? Brian, I don't know about you. For me right now, I definitely think Dennis Houston's on this roster, and I think it's yeah. likely that Turpin is as well. Yeah, it's funny because just following along with uh, Twitter and what's going on, it's not like that Dak threw a ball to Turpin that went down the middle of the field and it clanged off Turpin. He had a chance to make a big play, mm, and he was have that. And didn't make. Yeah, so he's made plays. They've thrown the ball. He looks like he's got a little bit of wiggle when he runs as a as a punt returner. And so, I would say that they're they're anxious to use him. And you know, in the practice, you know, against uh, the Chargers, they tried to get him on a deep ball. He just needs to find a way to finish a little bit better. Yeah, and I think that he's he's here largely, like we've said, as a as a return guy. Um, I mean, it's like Mike McCarthy said. He said the offense is secondary for Kevontae Turpin. So they definitely wanted a return man in here. Uh, that's why they went out and got him and they brought him in here. They were struggling all offseason trying to find somebody to take those reps at, at OTAs and minicamp at the punt returner. So I think that's a big check in his favor. And also something we haven't talked about a lot, they've been using him on these jet sweeps and practices with the first yeah. team a lot. And so sure it could be potentially, you know, an old school. I know this was Scott Linehan's offense and not Kellen Moore, but Kellen Moore was in the building for it. Could be similar to the way they used Lucky Whitehead in the past yeah. as a return yeah, Lucky guy. Whitehead, Lucky Whitehead won a game for you. I felt like in Green Bay, uh, 2016, on a jet sweep right before half, they got a third down and kept a drive going. Bryce Butler finished the drive with a touchdown in the corner right before half. So that's the kind of stuff you need, those big explosive plays, especially on third down. 
Uh, question here from Todd. What kind of routes, formations, pre-snap movement do you guys think slash hope the Cowboys will use to get CD the ball this year? They definitely are kind of moving him around the formation. I still don't see a ton of pre and, and at the snap movement, at least in practice, what they're showing us. It's but with, motion. It's just straight motion. Yes. A lot. He'll be in slot, and he'll go from the right side to the left side, and then he'll stationary set is what yeah. he does. But they're putting him in the slot so at least they can move him around. They're giving him options. They're yep. giving him the whole field to run routes. And a lot of it is done, and Bobby will tell you this, I, I know you will, uh, that the, there's quickness. A lot of those option routes, yep. you know, pivot routes, things like that, where it's work hard inside, plant, and if the if the defender goes one way, you go the other kind of a thing. So once you put him in the slot, you allow him to use the whole field. You put him on the outside, you're really kind of limiting to how, how many routes he can run when he's playing on the outside. Yeah, I think in terms of he asks there, Todd asks routes, formations, pre-snap movement. I don't know that we're going to see a ton of pre-snap movement as, as part of that equation, but definitely I think they are going to you know line him up across the formation in different spots. Right. And then in terms of routes, it's that one Brian mentioned there. They've definitely been working back in those. A lot of people call them different things. Pivot route, whip route, Colorado yeah. route, whatever you want to call it, but it's that... It's that aggressive, just kind of, you know, uh, plant and then Still turn. hard and, inside and then plant, go back. And if the guy thinks you're going to go back outside, just go ahead and keep going across. Exactly. You know, plant and then and then see if he's going to bite going the other way and then just keep going. So, yeah, it, 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 the slot, you can do a lot of different things as you play from that slot. Absolutely. Uh, next question here from Jonathan Torres. Are either of you worried about the offensive line? If so, how worried? Scale of 1 to 10. And then he also asks uh, – what do you honestly believe the Cowboys' win record will be this season? We, we touched on that in an episode earlier, so I think we both agreed around 10 wins probably yeah. it was a good yeah. bet. So, But in terms of your concern about the offensive line, I'm more worried about the pass protection than I am the run blocking right now. Yeah. Um, overall, my concern with the offensive lines, maybe a, I'll, I'll say a strong six right now. Yeah, I think it's more of a six. I think they're going to be fine at left guard. I, I worry about right tackle. I will continue to worry about right tackle until I see something different going on there. Next question here uh, from at Tex Hogs says, how does the coaching staff, in particular Mike McCarthy, instill discipline in this team? 17 penalties in the first preseason game after being the most penalized team in the league last year is pathetic. I know we've talked a lot about the the penalty issue and things like that, but Brian, in your experience, do, the coaches that do believe they can coach penalties, because I know that's an old Bill Parcells line, he doesn't coach penalties, but the coaches that do believe you can coach penalties, what can they do other than just you know, bench threats and things like that to, to try and instill that discipline. How, is, is there a, a genuine way you think that a coach can cut at that to help limit penalties? Yeah, you, you don't play players that don't have football intelligence, and maybe that's go. half your damn team. But you just <laughs> – you don't you don't put players in there that you know can't line up uh, Kelvin Joseph, you know, that no guys that have, you know, illegal motion, you know, Tolbert, you know. I mean, you can't, you can't have those pre-snap penalties – it's one thing to have a holding penalty or, or have a clip or something sure. like that, an aggressive penalty. But when you have these pre-snap penalties, that you know, that that's just – and especially the ones that cost them points. You know, they, they the whole thing about the other day when that game – and I keep mentioning it, but the third down and long, and they have the two veteran players, you know, Fowler, line, Fowler jumps off sides, you know, and then Basham has roughing the passer. I mean, you can't have those penalties, you, especially on third down when you're getting off the field. And there's been too many times that we've seen here in the last couple of years where Dallas has done a good job of getting off the field on a third and seven only to have a defensive holding penalty on the other side of the field yep. or legal contact on the other side of the field. 
you know, as a defensive back, you know you cannot hit a receiver in the face coming off the line of scrimmage. They'll call that every single time. 100%. You know, they, you cannot grab a receiver as he's coming off the line of scrimmage. You know, you can't do these things. You can't – if you're a linebacker, you can't grab a running back in the flat. You can't do that. So, to me, if you're playing with undisciplined players, if you're playing with players that have low football intelligence or awareness – that's your fault as a coach for putting these guys on the field. It's also your fault for going out and drafting them or signing them uh, to be part of the roster. That's going to do it for us. Uh, we got the Chargers and Cowboys coming up this weekend. Then one final preseason game against the Seahawks uh, for Brian Broaddus. I'm Bobby Belt, and we will talk to you guys again next week.